Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> Welcome to the brand new episode of the BIH Show and the only ice hockey podcast that gives you an alternate view of life and the sport in this country. Hi, I'm Craig Anderson and in the week where apparently it's okay to go from London to Durham, we go from North America to Milton Keynes via Fife, sort of, and there's nothing you can do about it. This week, as if we planned it, Grant McPherson of Milton Keynes Lightning, whose return to the club was announced earlier this week, racks his brain and comes up with a cracking dream first line. Five Flyers forward Carlo Finucci has a go at Puckmaster and tries to see if he does any better than Robert Lakovitz and Zach Sullivan. And we're delighted to have former Coventry Blaze and Dundee Stars coach Mark Lefebvre join us to talk about his career in the UK and reveals whether or not we've seen the back of him. But before we get to all that on the BIHO, let's go around the rinks with the first part of the latest news. You're listening to the B.I.H. Show. B.I.H. From BritishIceHockey.co.uk. This is B.I.H. News. The biggest and perhaps most worrying story of the week is the future of Bracknell Bees after the announcement that their home rink JNL Bracknell Complex, operated by John Knight Leisure Sport, are working towards meaningful statutory consultations on potential staff redundancies. The statement on the Bees website said the statutory period for consultation is 30 days and the Bees will then receive further information on future plans for the complex. Just to reassure those fans who have already purchased season tickets for the Bees 2020-21 NIHL national campaign that Full refunds will be given should the club be unable to participate in the sad event that the ice rink was unable to reopen. Worrying times indeed. Fundraising is underway to help and any fans wishing to contribute should head to change.org and search for John Nike Leisure Sport Complex. On to signing news, we start in the Elite League and Guildford Flames have signed netminder Kevin Linskog, a Swedish netminder who has joined them from Ritten Sport in Italy. The 27-year-old arrives in the UK having played in recent years in Poland with Katowice, Runstead in Denmark 
Denmark and Shakhtar Soligorsk from Belarus as well as his native Sweden. Head coach Paul Dixon told the Flames website we tried to get Kevin on previous occasions but things have never worked out so we are pleased to finally have been able to find a way to reach the move in the same direction at the same time. Sheffield Steelers began their recruitment for 2020-21 with the return of their legendary captain Jonathan Phillips. The 37-year-old returns for what will be his 15th season in Orange and he insists he's as motivated as ever to win more after being the only skipper to lift a trophy last season before the campaign shut down. One veteran player who has decided to hang up his skates going back to Guildford Flames is Jez London who leaves the club after 11 years. He joined them from Newcastle Vipers in 2009 and won league titles and playoffs in the EPL during his time in Surrey. And elsewhere, Glasgow clan have announced Mac Howlett has left the club for an as of yet unknown destination. On to the National League and Peterborough Phantoms have announced the return of forward Glenn Billing who has committed himself to the club for another two seasons. He was joined on the roster by two defencemen Tom Norton and Joe Gretton who have also extended their time at the Phantoms. Basingstoke Bison have also made a couple of announcements in their netminding department as they confirmed goalies Dan Weller, Evans and Alex Metham would be returning as they announced it on their end of season awards video. Forward Josh Ely Newman is back at Bracknell Bees. There are also extensions for Dan Scott at Raiders while Nathan Rip play at Sheffield Steel Dogs has signed for the club on full-time terms and Grant McPherson who you can hear later in the show giving us his dream first line he's returning to Milton Keynes Lightning behind the bench there was some big news for the champions Telford Tigers they announced the return of Tom Watkins as head coach and there's also a return for their Scottish forward Scott McKenzie who has also been appointed the head coach of Telford Tigers 2 in NIHL 2 North and he replaces Dave Fielder not returning is Dan Fuller who has decided to leave the Raiders more to come from the lower leagues later this is the BIH Show. Earlier this month, I got some time to have a chat with former Sheffield Steelers player and assistant coach, Coventry Blaze player and coach, Edinburgh Capitals player, and Dundee Stars coach Mark Lefebvre to talk about his career in the UK. That's a mouthful. As part of a new series of podcasts, we're looking to bring you called BIH Icons, where we get the stories from the players we all remember. So look out for the full interview with Mark in its entirety on BIH Icons when it comes out. This week, we've given you a sneak preview, and in this segment, Mark discusses his move to Dundee Stars in 2015. The Big Interview. Now, it's interesting here because you went from Sheffield to Coventry to a Scottish team as a player, and then you did it as a coach, Sheffield to Coventry to Dundee Stars in this case. 2015, you were back north of the border um, to take on the Stars to replace Jeff Hutchins. How much of an experience was that in, in positive terms? Well, it was a fresh start for me because I, I ended up going to Hungary right after uh, I was like going yeah. in Coventry. And, um, you know, those four months of, of not being able to speak English to anybody, you're, you're in a town about a, an hour from uh, from Budapest that are still living in communism, I think, in, in World War II. The statues are still up. I go through a security checkpoint every day to go to the rink. Um, had a translator with me. I couldn't read the menus in the, in the restaurant or anything. And so I really made me stronger mentally and I think it made me better as a coach um, going through that whole experience so going to Scotland Dundee I learned what I I took what I learned in, in Coventry and not what to do and how I wanted to build a team better how I wanted to coach better how I wanted to treat my players uh, better how I want to talk on Twitter or in media you know better I took everything on board uh, I took advice I delegated more I did a lot of things opposite than what I did uh, in Coventry, um, obviously didn't get complacent. I worked hard at it every day, more video, more everything. Um, 
and I, like I said, I didn't want to get to place in again, and I worked at it. And so it was a great uh, experience in Dundee, the two years. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think it was the other day I was looking on uh, on YouTube, and I just watched the highlights from the two playoff games against uh, against Brayhead, now Glasgow, uh, in my second year. And, uh, you know, still great memories. Uh, both years, too. And I think we were eight minutes away from my in my first year getting to the Final Four as well against Cardiff. So, I mean, it's... Uh, you know, it was two two tremendous years and two of the best years of my life, uh, coaching wise, and, and both on in a personal level as well. That first year, you mentioned that the Cardiff game, eight minutes from the final four in that first season, and I think we all remember the interview you did post game. You were close to if you weren't already in tears, and um, because you came so so close, you won four two in the first leg in Cardiff. When you look back on that, and I know times passed and times are great healer, does it still hurt that maybe you just couldn't get over the line that time? Yeah, but I think it was, like I said, it's all learning experiences, eh? So it's, uh, yeah, it hurts because I think we had a tremendous group. I mean, with uh, with Bobby Showmont, uh, Riley Wetmore, and Line Weber, and Dickinson, and Doug Clarkson. Like, we had a great team, great group of guys, and uh, they came to work for me every day, and they made me love hockey even more. So uh, coaching that group because it's a great group to work with, and. Um, you know, like it, it hurt at the time. It hurt for a little while there, um, and but like I said, it was it was a great learning experience to get to that point uh, and go through that 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 hurt um, that that made you want that much more the following season. So that's how we tried to build it for next year. But uh, you know, full credit, Carve has been a great dominant team for the last uh, X amount of years, and there's a reason they win trophies. They find ways to win games, and they de- definitely did that night. And of course, a year later, you did do it. You did get to the, the finals, beating Brayhead as they were over the two legs. And I think when I look back on the, on those two games in particular, it was it was two really off nights um, for, for Brayhead. And that's not to you know um, be disingenuous to Dundee, who were excellent over the two nights. How proud were you of your guys over those that, that particular weekend? Well, if you think I was in tears after the loss of Cardiff the year before, I was in tears <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> for the winning for winning that thing. Um, you know what? To be honest with you, the Brayhead was was the matchup we wanted. We knew they couldn't keep up with our speed. Um, we know we had a game plan in place that that they weren't going to be able to handle. And you know, the first leg, their goaltender. I mean, he played phenomenal. I mean, that could have been seven or eight one the first leg. Um, and then the second leg, we just kind of smothered him. Joe Fowler made some great saves early to keep us going. And then I think once we got that first goal in the second period with Tanaka. Um, we never looked back. And, um, you know, it was such a proud moment. I think it was, you know, other than the, the club winning the conference uh, when when Hutchie was the coach, um, you know, obviously it was the biggest moment playoff-wise for the club in the Elite League era. And, uh, you know, I was so proud of that group. And, um, you know, they went through a lot that year, and, and I won't get into it, but they found a common bond uh, of something to rally against when things weren't going well uh, at the Christmas time and into the new year. But they – Balance the rally. We knew we were on the outside looking in a little bit in the playoffs, and we just uh, we got things together and we won the games we had to win. We knew if we can get points at teams like Nottingham, Carf, and Sheffield, and that, then that was a bonus. But we need to beat teams like Fife, we need to beat Manchester, we need to beat Coventry, and we won those games, the games that mattered. Um, so, uh, you know, like I, I was so proud of that group, and, and uh, what a collective group of guys. It was definitely a different cast of characters than the year before, but. Uh, 
I think the guys that were there the year before that went through that that heartache that we had against Cardiff, uh, they took that into account uh, in, in the semi-fungus Brayhead, and they, they used that as a learning experience as well. I recall the, the build-up to the, the playoff finals weekend that year. I think I was working for the league um, that, that, that week, and we did a couple of things in the build-up to it. And you were, I mean, excited. I think is 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 an understatement. How do how do you recall that that week and the build up to the the weekend itself? Well, it was a weird week because they uh, the team had never been to the final four before, so our practice times were all changed. We used to practice at twelve fifteen, so we were, and then we had to start practicing at night um, at six o'clock or something like that because this the ice availability wasn't there. So that changed things a little bit for us in the build up. Um, unfortunately, we had a death in the, in the organization that week as well. And uh, Big Andy, who um, was a fixture around the arena and around the team uh, for my two years there, unfortunately passed away. And um, so we had, you know, all the boys went to the, to the funeral um, that week too. So it was a, the whole thing was just a, a different week than what we were used to. Obviously, it was, uh, it was a build up, but uh, you know, I'm glad. How, I'm proud of the way the guys handled it and how the club handled it. And, uh, you know, it was an exciting time for us. And, of course, the semi-final, it was Cardiff again that stood in your way. Again, another game where you, you did so, so well, but just came up short again. But I think I recall the pride you had in the, the players after that game as well came through. Yeah, we got up 2 nothing. I think what the difference in that game, um, you know, we ran with three lines all year. We ran three lines that game, obviously. They had that fourth line with Bordalo and those guys that could, and Matt Myers and that that could just wear you down. They gave them six to eight minutes, and those six to eight minutes were the whole difference in that hockey game. Because um, I think we just, like I said, we just ran out of steam at the end, and they're, and the shut's a skilled team. But again, they they won trophies the last x amount of years because they know how to win hockey games and close them out, and uh, they never panicked. If we would have got that third goal at some point uh, before they came back and tied and eventually took the lead, I think we would have won that game. But we just couldn't get that third goal, uh, and I think that was the big difference there. But uh, you know, hey, our our effort, we just didn't go there to make up the numbers. We went there to compete, and we definitely did. Um, you know, like I said, I'm proud of the way we competed. We just fell up, fell a little bit short, and um, you know, we pushed them right to the end. Let's look back just reflectively, and between being a player. And a coach, when you think back in your time in the UK, is there any regrets that you have? Is there something that you you maybe wish you could have done or should have done? Maybe the, you, you talked about Coventry and what went wrong there, something like that, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, everything you wish you could change one or two things along the way. I think even when we had success in, in Dundee there that year, there's a couple of things I would like to change. But you know, honestly, I have no real regrets at all. Um, I think I take everything as a learning experience. Whether it's uh, within hockey or within this everyday life, and you try to learn from it, and uh, that's part for me. That's part of that thing called life. You know, you're just trying to learn and be a better person every day, and how you can uh, make your impact in the world. And uh, you know, it's uh, and I take a lot of things I learn in the, in the everyday life to and put those into hockey and vice versa. And um, so, no, no regrets at all. Obviously, it's not always going to be roses and rainbows, and that's what's part of the learning experience. And uh, yeah, do I wish. I had more success in Coventry because I did do uh, like that organization quite a bit. I have a lot of respect for Mike Cali and Andy Buxton and everybody there. And uh, but you know things happen for a reason. And uh, if that doesn't happen, I don't end up in Dundee and uh, and have uh, great memories from there. So that's the way I look at it. And uh, you know, like I said, everything's a learning experience. 
So finally, you're committed to Odense in the meantime, but do you think we'll ever see you again in these shores back as a coach for, for one of the elite league teams? Uh, never say never. Um, I have a lot of respect for the league. I have a lot of respect for a lot of people around that league. Um, I think the league's up and coming now. I think uh, you know they do well now in the Champions League, and that gives uh, a more of a door uh, to Europe and everybody looking at that league now than they would before. And you know, style of hockey. I watched the Challenge Cup final with with uh, Sheffield and Cardiff, and uh, you know that was a great hockey game, great entertaining game uh, for, for the league. So. Uh, so never say never. Like I said earlier, I, I was offered uh, a job last summer with an elite league team and made me two offers and uh, just didn't work out. Uh, and that was my doing of saying no. So um, like I said, never say never. Um, you know, like I love coaching. So it, it uh, doesn't matter where I am. I'm always going to love and enjoy whatever country I'm in. So, uh, you know, I may end up there sooner rather than later. This is the BIH Show. Mark Lefebvre, the first guest of our new BIH Icon series, coming to you very soon, so look out for it in due course. Pugmaster BIH. Well, this is the part of the show where we test our ice hockey players and see what their knowledge is all about when it comes to the fantastic sport we all work in. Uh, the next player I have joins us from his home in Vancouver. Went home after the lockdown was imposed. He's now very safe and out of the way in Canada. And it's the Five Flyers forward himself, Carlo Finucci. Carlo, thank you so much for joining us on the BIH show. What's life been like for you in the last couple of months since you got home? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a whirlwind for sure. When the season ended and picking up uh, picking up your life and moving back back home uh, within you know four or five days uh, when you're expecting to still be there for another month and a half. So uh, yeah, it's been a whirlwind. Obviously, coming home uh, entails you know seeing your friends, family. Um, you know, it's definitely not able to do that uh, with with the rules. But uh, yeah, it was it was good to get home and uh, get everything sorted. And um, yeah, back to the off season. I was speaking to your teammate Barry McKenzie on the show a few weeks ago, and he spoke of the the frustration that you couldn't quite get the season finished given the the position that the Flyers were in. Is that a, is that a view you share as well? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a difficult season and uh, a difficult way to you know stomach ending the season. Um, there was uh, it was going to be a tough task to squeak in the playoffs, but uh, yeah, it was just a tough end to a, just a all around tough season. So um, it's unfortunate that's how it ended, and but uh, it was definitely the right thing to do, and um, you know hopefully can make amends to that uh, in seasons to come. Okay, so you're here with us to take part in our Puckmaster quiz. I sent you the format, so you, you should have a fair idea of what to expect. Ten questions, basically three of those will be bonus questions. Three points per correct answer. The bonus questions are worth six, and I just have to put to you the two bonus categories we have. Playoff finals weekend or over the border? Which one do you fancy? Playoff finals weekend or over the border? Uh, let's go finals weekend. Finals weekend. Okay, let's go. Let's lined up, and we'll start with your first question of ten for three points. Question one: Other than Guildford Flames, which other team moved into the Elite League in 2017 but left after two seasons? Milton Keynes. Milton Keynes, correct. First three points on the board. Well done. Question two: Who did Aaron Fox take over from as coach of the Sheffield Steelers last year? Uh, Tom Barrasso Tom Barrasso two out of two so far Carlo good going question three is your first of your bonus questions who scored the winning goal in the epic playoff final in 2017 between the Cardiff Devils and the Sheffield Steelers you remember that's the game that went to double overtime but who scored the, the winning overtime goal Levi Nelson oh you're on fire with this one three out of three 
Okay, question four. In which year did the Dundee Stars reach the playoff finals weekend? I think so. Um, was that 1617? On 100% correct. Well done. Yep, 2017 under Mark Lefebvre, of course. Okay, question five. Which team was leading the overall standings in the AHL prior to the coronavirus lockdown? Was it Charlotte Checkers, Providence Bruins or Hershey Bears? Ooh, I'll go Charlotte. Oh, it's Providence. Providence Bruins were ahead by a point on that one. Um, so unlucky Carlo on that one, but still good going. Okay, your second bonus question. This is number six. How many different clubs have won the playoffs in the Elite League era, which began in 2003? Just looking for a number, not the names. How many different teams? Uh, let's go five. Oh, one out. It was six. Uh, six altogether. Sheffield, Coventry, Nottingham, Newcastle, Belfast and Cardiff. Okay, next on to number seven. What is the highest league position Five Flyers have finished in since joining the Elite League in 2011? What's the highest your team, the Flyers, have finished in? Fifth? Oh, unlucky, it was sixth. They've done it three times. 2016, 2017 and 2019, of course. You were involved in two of those seasons, Carlo, unlucky. But there we go. And number eight, in the NHL, the Eastern Conference is split into the Atlantic Division, and what other division? Metropolitan. Metropolitan, correct. That's another three points. Okay, your final bonus question for question nine. Belfast Giants, Cardiff Devils, Nottingham Panthers, and which other team took part in the Final Four weekend in 2019? Giants, Devils, Panthers, and which other team in the Playoff Finals weekend in 2019? Guilford. Uh, Guilford, there you go. Another six on the board, well done. <laughs> Going really well here. Good, good stuff. Okay, and your final question. GB played France in their final World Championship, World Championship game in 2019. Can you remember who they played in their first game? Bit of a baptism of fire for Pete Russell's team in Slovakia last year. Who was the first team they played in the World Championships last year? I'll go Canada. Oh, it was Germany. Germany, Germany was the answer there. So let me just tally up the score here. You've done very well. Uh, and that's 24 points out of 39. Highest ah. score so far. <laughs> from who's taken close part. on a couple of those <laughs> but you did very well yeah you were, you, did, you were close it could have been higher you were one out in one or two of them as well so yeah, yeah. Uh, well done 24 points out of 39 Carlo what did you make of that yeah it's a decent score there it would have been nice to get a couple more it started off hot but in the middle there it kind of faltered but uh, <laughs> yeah no it was, it was a lot of fun Fantastic. 24 points out of 39. Just for fun, though, so no prize at the end of it, but a, a great score nonetheless. Carlo, thank you so much for taking part in Puckmaster, and all the best for your summer. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, it, was, it was a pleasure, and yes, uh, have a great summer as well, and look forward to uh, uh, any news uh, on the hockey front uh, coming forward. You're listening to the BIH Show. B-I-H. My dream first line. Time for my dream first line, where we get a player, either current or former, um, to talk us through their picks for a dream first line containing players they've played with or against in their career, and we'll even allow some honourable mentions as well. How this works, basically, one netminder, two D-men, three forwards, we're not bothered about whether they play on the wing or up top, so... And for this, we've invited on Milton Keynes Lightning's very own Grant McPherson to join us um, on this edition. Grant, how are you? How are things in the lockdown where you are? Yeah, doing well, Craig. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, yes, I mean, lockdown's tough. Uh, I'm sure it is for everyone. Um, but uh, yeah, the good weather right now is certainly helping. So 
Excellent. Now, of course, as I speak to you, we've, we've had Milton Keynes Lightning's first year back in the NIHL. Your first year back with the club. You left them for a couple of years. Back with them again. Very different, of course, from, from what it was in their Elite League days. How good is it to be back and, and playing uh, there again? Yes, it's fantastic. Um, I've said in a few interviews before that um, I never thought I'd get the opportunity to, to pull on the Lightning uh, bolt again. Um, I mean, especially when they went up to the Elite League, uh, that just wasn't ever going to be possible. Um, and unfortunately, it wasn't a, a successful couple of years for the team uh, in the top league. Um, but obviously, what happened uh, at this time last year when the, the new owners came on board, uh, they decided to go back to the NIHL, which personally I think is the, the, the right level for Milton Keynes. Um, and it, it turned out to be, you know, quite a successful year. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get the, the trophies that we wanted, uh, partly due to Telford winning the league and then the coronavirus ending the season early. But um, it feels great to be part, uh, back on the team, and and hopefully uh, we can we can get fans happy again because uh, they had a tough couple of years. That's for sure. Good stuff. Okay, let's get into your dream first line. Then I'm looking at some of the names here. A couple of very older heads on here. I say very. I don't mean that to sound unkind, but guys that maybe you know fans have maybe forgotten about. So it'd be good for them to, to refresh their memories. On we'll start with your netminder Barry Hollyhead is who you've picked to to go between the pipes. Tell us about Barry and why he's in your team. Yeah, I mean I. I I think there might be a couple of players in my, my first line that uh, a few people listening will think, why, why on earth would you choose them when you've played with other players? But um, I've kind of based it on the player and the, the player's character. And, and Barry was, you know, uh, he was the goalie for Milton Keynes when I came down here. And I'll always remember when I turned up, I looked at him and I was like, he's our starting goalie. Because <laughs> we always laugh, but he, he's, a, he's quite a heavy man. Uh, and he, you can tell he didn't really like the gym or anything like that. <laughs> Um, but but Baz was a the reason why I've picked Baz is because he's a uh, a goalie you could trust um, and what by that I mean if he let in a soft goal um, you know he's not gonna uh, take it too hard and he'll just move on to the to the next shot whereas you see sometimes goalies drop their heads and I've seen a number of goalies across the years that when they, when they let in a stinker that the rest of the game is a nightmare as well but with Barry um, you know that, a, a good example of why I've picked him is. We were playing a game away in Bracknell. Um, he picked the puck up behind the net and tried to do a cross-ice saucer pass, which was just not Barry's kind of game. But uh, basically, he passed it straight to one of their players in front of the open net, and, he, and the guy scored. But instead of you know dropping the head, Baz just looked to the bench and started laughing. Um, and uh, you know, as, when you okay at the time, you were a bit uh, peed off that um, you just conceded a goal. But it just showed that Bar- Barry's character was that you knew that you could trust him for the rest of the game and he'd probably play better after that. Um, and then he was the goalie that kind of backstopped us to the to the league championship in 2009-10 um, where he played virtually most most of, the, uh, most of the games that season. We had a young Alex Metton who's a Basingstoke's goalie now um, backing him up. He played a couple of games I think but it was mainly Baz that year and uh, he was absolutely fantastic. And as I said, he's by looking at him and his physique, um, you wouldn't think he was a good, going to be a good goalie, but you know he, he was brilliant at his time uh, in Milton Keynes. So that's why he has made my, my starting goalie. Okay. So who did you have uh, for honourable mentions? I, I, I see a couple of names there that you, you've obviously given a bit of thought to and you were conflicted over, but explain the, these two guys. Yeah, it was uh, from my time in Edinburgh, and this is what I mean by their kind of, uh, you know, they probably were better goalies than Barry Hollyhead. Uh, 
Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I went with Laddie Kudenra, uh, who was uh, a goalie at Edinburgh, and then he went moved to Swindon as well, I think. Uh, Hull Stingrays, um, but he was, you know, he was. I was fifteen, sixteen uh, when I played with him in Edinburgh, and he was just a, a, an all round good guy. Um, I always remember he was always nice to me. It was a, it was a very um, well. The team was mainly based on Czechs and Slovaks, and not a lot of uh, communication there. But he was always, you know, generally wanted me to do well, uh, tried to improve me as a player. Um, you know, and I, he, he always asked me to kind of stay behind and. Uh, take extra shots at him as a, obviously as a youngster you're happy to do that um, but he was, yeah, he was just a really nice guy and he was a good goalie as well um, I, I remember obviously we'd, in Edinburgh we, we never had a, a top team but you know he would always stand on his head and um, you know he, he won his games that we probably shouldn't have won um, and the second one was uh, Dave Trofimenkov who again probably not the best goalie uh, that I've played with but just an all round great guy and he, he had so much fight in him um, a, a good story with uh, trough was uh, Jan Krychek. Just we were just warming up in training, and, and Jan Krychek's got an absolute cannon of a shot, and but he kept putting it around Trough's head, and uh, <laughs> just out, out completely out of the blue, Trough just skated towards uh, Jan with a puck and shot at his, at his head, and then dropped the gloves with him. <laughs> um, and I, and I, I think you, I don't know if you remember the the Boxing Day massacre between Fife and uh, Edinburgh. Mm. Uh, Trough had a fight with uh, Five Scully, uh, <laughs> whose whose name is Scott Hay, I think it was. Um, so you know, he was just a great guy, and he, re- he was a team guy. Um, and I, I got on well with him off the ice. He moved to Stirling uh, after he finished with the Capitals, which was really close to my hometown of Dunblane. So we kind of uh, were quite close for for a while after that as well. Cool. Um, but yeah, so that, that's the two goalies that kind of get a mention as well. So. Good. Okay, back to your first line and the two guys you've picked out. We'll start with the first one. You've already mentioned him, Jan Krychek. Um, tell yeah. us about Jan. Yeah, he was a, the the guy was an absolute monster. Um, I mean, his wingspan was like yeah, basically from one uh, side of the ice to the other. Um, and as we all know, he hit the power of his shot was incredible as well. Some slap shot on him. So um, Jan, I think he, his brother Lukash played in the NHL, and Jan must have been close to to making it as well. I think he was just he was kind of. You could see how class he was on the ice, uh, and especially as a youngster uh, training with the Caps. I was always looking up to, to guys like him. Um, uh, I think it was. I think he had dodgy knees. Maybe that's why he didn't go as far in the game. But he was he was kind of head and shoulders above quite a lot of the people in our team. And I, then and that shows by I mean Nottingham signed him from Edinburgh, I think. So, um, but yeah, he was a, a great guy. And I, I mean the, the the slap shot alone is kind of worth being in my in my team. Because um, I'm sure that would that would uh, gain a few goals for us, um, but yeah, I, I think I was I was thinking of stories about yeah, and the, the funniest one was, and this shows how cheap uh, our team was <laughs> up in Edinburgh. Scott Neil, uh, we were playing Bracknell away, and instead of getting a coach from Edinburgh's Bracknell. Uh, Scott gave us a minibus. Now Jan must be about six foot eight, six foot nine, uh, and just I always remember him sitting at the back of the minibus with his knees up around his neck uh, <laughs> in the back of this minibus for about nine hours. I think we got actually uh, pumped that game as well. But uh, but Jan was a great guy. Um, another guy that kind of tried to help me as a, a junior. So um, and then he I played against him uh, when he played for Slough in, in Romford towards the end of his career. Um, and he was still as classy as ever then. So yeah, Jan's Jan's on the blue line for from my line. 
Good. And his Blue Line partner is Michael Farn, who was at Milton Keynes for a long time, between 2009 and 2017, nowadays at, at Streatham. Um, tell us about Michael's qualities and why you've brought him into the team, your team. Yeah, he's, uh, Farney's, uh, he's without a doubt, you know, one of the best D-men I, I've played with. Um, and it's, it kind of shows that I, I think um, he could have easily have been uh, one of GB's uh, best defenders. Um, if he concentrated on ice hockey alone, if he chose, the, uh, he made the decision um, to kind of have a career alongside ice hockey, which many of us have, have done. Um, which I think, you know, I, I would never, um, you know, say that's a bad thing to do. Um, but he, if he, if he fully concentrated on ice hockey, he would one hundred percent be the, one of the best British demon in, in Britain right now. Maybe like just behind Ben O'Connor because um, his natural ability is, is unreal. Um, you know, he's, he's always naturally fit. He's competitive. He can read the game so well, uh, make the pass through an eye of a needle, um, and he's just yeah, he's competitive battle. Uh, just in every every aspect of life, uh, you know, it makes him a, a true true winner. Um, and yeah, I mean, I play again with a lot of great D men, but um, just just pure natural ability. I think he's got to make my team. And um, obviously, I played uh, for, with him for a long time, and he's a good friend of mine. Uh, so you know that helps as well. So yeah, he's he's definitely in there. Right, honourable mentions. Two names here, and I think one uh, might be a bit of a surprise to a lot of people. Talk us through them. Yeah, well, which one is that, Jamo? Yeah, Jamo. I'm surprised <laughs> by that one. Lee Jamison. Yeah, um, you know what? He's. I've always said, if Jamo had a brain, uh, he would have made it a lot further uh, <laughs> in ice hockey because uh, he's got the he's got the size, and he's you know he's six four, uh, six five. Um, and I, I mean, a lot of players that height struggle with the skating side of the game, but. He can fly. Uh, he's got the hands, um, but he's just yeah. Some of his uh, brain fart moments are horrendous. But <laughs> well, um, <laughs> yeah, well, this is true. But you know, he's uh, as what I was saying about picking players. Is I was taking their character into consideration as well. Uh, and he is without a doubt one of the best guys I've ever had uh, in the changing room to play with. Um, he, he makes everyone laugh uh, like every minute of the day. Uh, and you need that in the changing room and on. On the coach, when you're going on to a long away game, you need guys that uh, kind of bring the team together and uh, and have a laugh. And Jamo's certainly that guy. Um, but he was a, he's a great player as well, and he was scary as a junior. I'll, I'll always remember uh, Scotland under 19s against England under 19s at Nottingham when they used to do it before the, the playoff cup final. And and Jamo just you know tore us a new bumhole. Uh, he, he literally, he, I think he scored a hat-trick, but just skated through our whole team and we just couldn't stop him. Uh, it's a shame, you know, as I said, we all, I, I joke about him if he had a brain. Uh, he's, he's not, he's, I mean, he's not the, most, uh, the stupidest person on the planet, but he's, uh, um, if, I just think if he had a, if he could slow things down a bit more and think, he, yeah, he definitely would have been in another country in, in Europe or potentially North America, but, um, but yeah, he's definitely he definitely deserves a, an honourable mention. So, and just quickly, your other honourable mention for for the, the defensive positions. Yeah, it was uh, Marty Yarvanti, uh, which I mean, I, I guess most people won't have heard of unless you're from Milton Keynes a few years ago. And um, he, he was by far, I, you know, what I, I think if I had played with this guy for longer than uh, three or four months, he, he potentially would have made the line. Um, but he, he came straight from the top league in Finland. Um, he played in the NHL, I think, maybe just one game in the NHL, but still. Um, and you could see he was different gravy. Like, he was by far the best player in the league. And he was 40 years old when he came over here. So, um, you know, he, he was one of the best skaters I've ever seen. 
Um, so yeah, deserves a, an honourable mention too. Cool. Okay, let's move into the offensive positions, and I'll, I'll just do them in the order you've gave me them. Um, Andre Smelter is, is the first one you've picked there. Uh, three years with Milton Keynes between two thousand and eight and two thousand and eleven. He was playing up to last year um, at the age of, of forty. Tell us about Andre's qualities and, and and what you had, what you saw in him. Yeah, so this again, it kind of falls under the you know you you might look at the players I've played with over the years and and wonder why I've chosen them. But again, I'm taking the full package in here with Andre and um, you know the great players they they don't always make the the best teammates. Um, but this guy, uh, you know, he sums up why we won the league um, back in 0910. Um, you know, we had the like the fourth or fifth biggest budget in the league and. But don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Like he was a great player, and if if you gave him a sniff, um, you know he would put the puck in the net. But it was his it was his kind of passion for the team, and you don't always see that with the, the imports that come over. I mean, a lot of them are are just here to make money. But you know, Smalls would do any, literally anything uh, to win the game or, or uh, win the trophy for the team, um, and and he was absolutely crazy off there too. So like that helps as well when you you know you're you're trying to create a bit of a bond between the team and on nights out he's one of the funniest guys um you know, like we when he played for Milton Keynes we used to get minibuses uh, to most away games because you know it's not obviously the furthest distance like an hour to Peterborough and stuff like that but on the way back from games we'd often have a few beers and uh we'd need uh wee breaks and for example, we'd stop like on the M1. We'd pull over, and uh, and everyone would jump off the bus, and like Smalls would be like rolling down hills on the side of the M1, and it's just little things like that that made him such a great teammate and a good guy. Um, and he's you know the guy's he's still one of my best friends to today. Even though you know he's not played over here for for eight nine years, but uh, he was just he made such an impact on on my life and. I'll, never, I'll hopefully I'll never lose contact with him. So uh, he's got to be on my my. I, I put him on the right wing, so he's he's definitely up there. <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay, two spots left, and this one's interesting. Monier Kalgum, Swedish player, um, who yep. played for a couple of years at, at Milton Keynes. Tell us tell us about him. Yeah, so this is a, a, another member of the the two thousand nine ten league winning team, um, and this guy he, he should have made the NHL in my mind. Um, like his hockey brain is without a doubt that the best I've ever played with. Um, in his junior days, like he, he played in the World Junior Championships uh, under 20s um, in 2004, I think it was, and like he played against Crosby and Ovechkin. And he, you know, reading reports on him, like he held his own uh, in that World Championships. But I think, unfortunately, after that tournament, he became unwell. Uh, and, it, you know, you know, it's like at that age, is you can't, you, you, if you miss a few years or a couple of years, you're, you're never going to make it back. Um, and I think that's what happened to him. But in a way, in a, I suppose, disappointing way, but for us in Milton Keynes, it was kind of lucky because we, we ended up managing to sign him, which we probably never would have been able to if he if he'd stayed fit. But um, but yeah, he, he won games for us single-handedly. Um, I'll always remember it was, uh, the year after we won the league, Basingstoke quarterfinals um, over two legs. He legit, legitimately, single-handedly won us that playoff round and Made, uh, got us through to Coventry, um, but again, like Smoltz, um, he brought so much more than just what he did on the ice. Um, he was a great guy off the ice. He was the DJ on the bus, which you know, like he's—I don't know if you know—he's his brother Mika Zabanajad. He he's now a DJ as well. Um, so that definitely came from Monir uh, passing on the skills. And um, yeah, again, he's still one of my best friends uh, today. And it, it's been over you know a li- nine, ten years since he's played in England. So. 
um, yeah, he's definitely, without a doubt, the best centre I've played with okay. uh, in my career. So Excellent. Okay, and one last spot, and I don't think you played together looking at his record. Um, nope. This is one. This is the sort of thing this feature's created for, and it's uh, you've gone with Theo Flurry, who had that year, of course, with Belfast Giants. What was it like to play against him? Yeah, this I, the only player that I've put in uh, the team that I haven't played with, and I don't think you can leave this kind of player out. Um, I played in his debut uh, in Belfast. Um, I was playing for Edinburgh Capitals at the time, and uh, really, I mean, looking back, they, they absolutely pumped us 11-2, I think it was, and he had three goals, four assists, two fights, but I'll just never forget, like, as I, I think I was only 17 or 18, um, and just the warm, I mean, the, the Odyssey was, like, bouncing that night, it was completely sold out, and as a 17, 18-year-old kid, you're in awe anyway, but then I grew up watching, like, Theo Fleury and I just couldn't believe I was on the same ice as him. Um, and then, like, not only, I mean, I didn't play a lot for Edinburgh that year, but I, I, start, I, I remember getting four or five shifts, shifts against Theo Fleury. Um, and I just couldn't believe I was like marking him on the wing. And uh, yeah, I mean, he completely dominated, dominated us that night. But I can't leave a player like Theo Fleury out when the, the option's there. So <laughs> um, yeah, he's, it was incredible to, to play against him that year. Right, and just to quickly round up, you have four names for your honourable mentions for the forward positions. Let's have them quickly. Yeah. Who have you got? Yeah, it was uh, Marty Johnson was the first one in Edinburgh. Uh, he only was there for a year. Um, but I, I, he really he was a, the main guy that took me under his wing uh, when I was growing up. Uh, and he's doing really well right now. I believe he's a, he's a head coach in the AHL now. So you might see him uh, hopefully make the NHL one day. Um, Adam Carr definitely deserves a mention. Uh, Captain Carr. He's a guy that could uh, always you could always rely on to, to come up at the big times and score the big goals. Uh, you know we won a few trophies with with him score, scoring uh, really important goals, and he's he's a captain I'd literally do anything for. Um, Nick Poole, uh, the best skater I've ever seen, uh, the great coach. Again, I would have done anything for him um, as a coach, and he was a coach that guided us to the league championship. Um, and then the last one was uh, a guy that. You know, could potentially move into my starting lineup um, if things go keep going well. But it's Liam Stewart. Uh, you know, he, he came into the league uh, November last year and absolutely tore it up. Uh, I think he scored forty goals. Um, he's got speed to kill, uh, and he's an absolute awesome guy. And uh, we've got on really well, hit it off, and uh, I'm glad to see he's back next year. Um, and as I said, yeah, if things keep going well, he'll uh, he'll certainly make it into my starting lineup. So we cool. And fantastic, Grant. Good, so some good names in there, and I'm, I'm certainly a lot of the MK fans will have enjoyed listening, um, hearing you, you talk about them as well. On a scale of one to ten, how difficult was it to come up with that team? Um, it, it was really tough. <laughs> uh, you know, I was I, there's players that you kind of. I was going through elite prospects, and I was like, oh, how how can I not add him in? But <laughs> as I said, I've kind of I've taken the full package. There's there's guys, you know, like Frankie Bakalik, um, Ante Holly, who you probably won't have heard of, but he played one season in Milton Keynes. That. They're class individuals uh, on the ice. Uh, nice guys off the ice as well, but I'm taking the full package into it. Sure. Um, unfortunately, as you, as you said, you can't, add, you can't have everyone in there, so I really had to try and whittle it down. But. Good stuff. Well, let's recap um, just who exactly you've picked for your team. It was Barry Hollyhead as the netminder. Your D pairing was Jan Krychek and Michael Farn and your three forward positions. Andre Smalter, Monier Calgum and uh, Theo Fleury. Grant McPherson, thank you so much for your time on My Dream First Line and thank you for coming on the BIH show. Craig, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. This is the BIH Show. B-I-H.
B-I-H News. Time for the rest of the news from up and down the country and we start with NIHL 1 South where Streatham have continued to be busy. They've snapped up offensive duo Connor Smith and Brandon Miles while Sam Davis returns for Milton Keynes Thunder as does Tom Davis at Invicta Dynamos. At Chelmsford Chieftains, their netminder Ben Clements is back for another season. However, defenceman Adam Jacobin won't be returning to the club. Harry Cloutman has committed for Solent Devils but has immediately gone out in a two-way deal with Solent Devils 2 while Oxford City Stars have picked up forward Dax Hedges. In NIHL 2 South, defenceman Jaden Jenner has re-signed for Haringey Huskies. In the SNL, Murrayfield Racers have added another three as forwards Callum Boyd and Kieran Black have returned and they've also picked up netminder Ewan Simpson from Kirkcaldy Kestrels. Simpson's arrival means that Mark McGill has left the club. At North Ayrshire Wild, Scott Cowan has returned as the player coach as has Stephen Wisher at Kirkcaldy Kestrels but there was a change in the setup as his assistant Darrell Venters has left to take up a role in the Kirkcaldy Junior setup and Stephen King now comes in as assistant to Wishart. Also returning to Kirkcaldy is netminder Craig Chalmers who has gone home to his local team signing from Aberdeen Links where he spent the last six years. Off the ice the CHL draw takes place this week with Cardiff Devils finding out who their opponents will be for their last 32 tie. The competition this season has been shortened because of the coronavirus pandemic which means the group stages have been abolished therefore the two leg ties will take place in October on what should have been game days 5 and 6. Devils are in pot 2 and the draw takes place this Wednesday at 5pm UK time and will be shown live on Free Sports. On the BIH website we wondered if there would be any hockey in the 2020-21 season in our latest blog plus we've got the story of Kevin Lindskrug signing for the Guildford Flames. All that and more on BritishIceHockey.co.uk and that's your roundup for this week. You're listening to the BIH Show. BIH that's all this week. If you want to take part on Puckmaster, drop us a direct message on Twitter at Brit Ice Hockey or on Facebook and register your interest to take part. We'd certainly love to have you on board. Lots more fun and things to look forward to next week, including Tyler Plews of Swindon Wildcats revealing all about his teammates. In the meantime, my thanks to Mark Lefebvre, Carlo Finucci and Grant McPherson for joining us on the show this week, as well as producer Stuart Priest for putting all this together. If you have any ideas about the show, any possible features you'd like to hear, drop us a line. Craig.Anderson at BritishIceHockey.co.uk or get in touch with me on Twitter at BIH Craig or at Brit Ice Hockey and we'd love to hear what ideas you have. Keep your eyes on British Ice Hockey for features, news and blogs as we keep you updated throughout the summer. Website is BritishIceHockey.co.uk In the meantime, stay safe, wash your hands, maintain social distancing guidelines and be careful when you do go out. Do that and we'll have hockey back very soon. I'm Craig Anderson, we'll talk to you soon on the BIH Show. Bye for now. Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.